Small details are big surfaces. Tight corners are odd shapes. Flat, rounded, textured, or tall. Whatever your next project, there's a spray paint pattern that's just right. Because Rust-Oleum's new Custom Spray 5-in-1 gives you control with five different spray patterns. So you can tackle nooks, crannies, edges, and curves without worrying about drips, runs, uneven coverage, or anything else. Custom Spray 5-in-1. Only from Rust-Oleum. Fudge College, honestly. Fudge College, honestly. Hello, everyone, and welcome to Everything Iconic with me, Danny Pellegrino. We got the title update cards halfway through this week's season finale of The Real Houses of Salt Lake City, and we got an update on Jack's college experience. Lisa's update card said that she's been attending college tours with Jack, but also not attending jazz games in quite some time. Anyway, so it was nice to get that little update, but I am thrilled that we made it to the end of the season of The Real Houses of Salt Lake City. We did it! I'm alive, and so are you! So are you all barely alive, because this was quite a slog to get through the second half of the season. I mean, truly batshit crazy, and this whole finale felt batshit to me, because it wasn't like a normal finale. We got like half an episode, and then we skipped ahead three months to go to New York, and then also everything sort of felt anticlimactic to me, because we knew Jen Shaw was arrested, and she's going to jail for six and a half years, and then five years on parole. We talked about that on the last episode of Everything Iconic, but she's going away, and so everything felt anticlimactic in terms of the court of law stuff. They wanted us on the edge of their seats when we were in New York with the gals, but I wasn't too interested when they were in New York, and she was finding out or pleading she guilty. Although I was so pissed about Jen's mom. I feel bad for Jen Shaw's mom. The Shemother uh, emptied out her bank accounts to give her some shemoney and was defending her innocence up until the very last second they filmed. Literally, Coach Shaw and Jen were going off to New York, and right before they left, she sat on the front porch with her mom, and the mom was like, well, you're innocent, so everything will be fine. And then Jen Shaw's face, you could tell, that was the smoking gun to me. I feel like that was the most guilty she's ever she looked, was when her face on that porch looking at her mom, and the mom's probably watching this episode and being like, how did I not see how guilty she was? It was all written on her face uh, in that scene, but I feel bad for the mom. Emptied out the bank accounts, thought the daughter was innocent up until the last fucking second. Linda Pellegrino, my mother, she'd be shapissed. She would be shapissed if she was on a TV show and bamboozled the elderly and then lied to her after she took out all the money from her bank accounts to give to me to prove my innocence. Linda Pellegrino would say, Dan, what are you doing here? She'd put me in a, a, a emotional jail. I mean, it's just unacceptable to do that to your mother. I feel bad for the mom. Don't do that if you're out there. Don't do that to your moms if you're under... Uh, investigation for bamboozling the elderly and Homeland Security comes to your cast trip to pick you up in the Sprinter van. Uh, do not lie to your mother on top of all that. It's, uh, they give her an extra couple years. By the way, I also want to extend her sentence after she started singing that remix of Shamazing Grace. Did anyone catch that? I mean, lock her up for even longer for that because it was uh, shocking to my ears. I mean, honestly, they were doing that whole choir scene and then in Jen's confessional. Which, by the way, I thought when she was in that choir robe singing Amazing Grace, she was just going to burst up into flames because (laughs) – did anyone else feel that way? I just thought, like, God's going to strike her or something right now because she was in, like, the religious robe. And then she was singing Amazing Grace, this church hymnal, 
And then in her confessional, she changed the lyrics. Let's see, I wrote it down. She wrote, she was singing, Amazing Grace, how sweet Jen is. And I thought, lock her up even longer. <laughs> Maybe, I hope the judge wasn't watching this week's finale because he would extend the sentence. He would have called everyone back into the courts and said, hey, we're going to put you in there for longer because it's unacceptable to change the lyrics of this church hymnal. Not since Lady Gaga added a verse to White Christmas during her uh, holiday special has any uh, such a egregious song uh, manipulation happened. And I was just not okay with that. I was not okay. But at least we got some closure about the choir storyline, because I was wondering where that thread was going to lead, because I felt like they introduced the choir storyline with Heather Gay, and then they dropped it in favor of the Black Eye situation, and then I think they realized we don't care about the Black Eye situation. I mean, what a slog. By the way, the, all of the relationships in this finale, and I take copious notes every single week on this show, and I'm watching them all show up to Heather's book launch, and I'm like, I don't know who's friends with whom, who, whom, whatever. And then they're telling me, like, oh, Whitney and Jen are fighting. And I was like, Whitney and Jen? Like, when did that fight happen? Like, I can't keep up with these alliances or allegiances. It's And then there's moments where Heather and Whitney, bad weather, they look like they're fine, and then... All of a sudden, they're hugging, and then they're talking to their confessional how they're never going to be friends again. It's like, I don't understand any of these relationships. And then the Angies and the Danas. By the way, there was like a clip from the trailer of Dana talking about informants and yelling at Jen about putting money in the books that never aired. Where is it, Bravo? Where does that footage go? Why did you tease us with it and then not air it? I hate when they do that. They did that with Dorinda. Remember, Dorinda was on that phone call, and she's like, if I say to you, you better fucking well love, listen. They showed the clip of Dorinda saying that into the phone during the trailer, and then it never aired on the show. We had to get answers from Dorinda by interviewing her. And so I want to know, like, what the fuck was that scene that they cut out of Dana talking about the informants and putting money in the books? Because they showed that in the initial trailer, I believe, and the mid-season trailer. So what's the truth? Where is it, Bravo? Just hiding that, hiding that footage from us? And is it a legal situation? Because she's already going off to jail. So at this point, just give us the footage. I, don't, I mean, come on. If you're going to play footage of her singing a remix of Shemay's and Grace, then I certainly need to see that footage of Diana talking about informants. That seems more uh, important to me than the Shemay's and Grace. I don't know why they cut it, though. I don't know. I don't know. Speaking of trailers, though, before we get back into the Real House of Salt Lake City episode, I do have to say that the Vanderpump Rules Season tw- uh, 10 trailer came out. And if you haven't seen it, whoo, you guys, it looks good. It looks good. I'm, I feel like Vanderpump Rules could be back and I, maybe they've been boozling us, but I feel like they're coming back with a vengeance and I just am excited by it in a way that I haven't been in years. Of course, the last couple of seasons have been real big flops. I mean, that lizard funeral they had on there was a big flop. I didn't even cover Vanderpump Rules, I think last season or maybe a couple of years, but I think we're going to dive back in. I think everything iconic is going to lean into the Vanderpump Rules of it all because it's looking good and I'm ready to go. I'm ready to go. So uh, stay tuned for that. Those premiere February 7th and 8th, I think, are the Real Houses in New Jersey and Vanderpump Rules. And that Vanderpump Rules trailer, there's all this stuff with Katie Maloney and Tom Schwartz. She's yet, she calls him like a loser in the trailer. Schwartz is going to have a bad season. I mean, he, I don't think he's going to come out of this. Meanwhile, Raquel's making out with everyone. God bless. She's making out with Tom Schwartz. She's making out with the Garcelle's son. She's just uh, loose lips, and I'm proud of her because you, when you're single, she was with James for a while, and he, she deserves it. I, she's, I hope she's making out with everyone. She deserves it because she was with James, who I hate to say this. I'm disgusted by myself. Disgusted by myself. I'm not proud of what I'm about to say, but I'm going to say it anyway because here on everything, I kind of give my truth. 
And I have to say that I don't think James has ever looked better. Is that wrong of me to say? (laughs) I feel like he's never looked better. And uh, granted, I don't, it seems in the trailer he's got this new girlfriend and the new girlfriend is like, I don't like when you drink. And we've seen such uh, awful sides of James Kennedy, DJ James Kennedy. And yet he still tends to win some of, at least myself, speaking for myself, he tends to win me over in the end oftentimes, even though I love Raquel, I'm rooting for Raquel. And yet somehow James always gets me back. And then I'm watching the trailer. I'm like, James has never looked this good. And he's like, Hot. I never found him like hot before. And I was watching the trailer. I'm like, wow, he's hot. And I'm not proud of that. I'm disgusted by myself. I'm disgusted by all these things that we watch on Bravo. But yet here we are. So do not judge me because we're all watching garbage. At the end of the day, we're watching some garbage. Okay, so let's get back to the Salt Lake City Housewives. But just know we're going to be covering Vanderpump Rules. Oh, and by the way, also, ticket sales for my tour are out now. Go to everythingiconic.com. At the top of the page, there's a live show link. Tickets are going fast. So if you're in Seattle, Denver, Salt Lake City, you get tickets. It's going to be in April. I'm so excited. We'll have a great time. We're going to be talking about all this Bravo stuff, whatever's airing at the time. And I have some specials, secret surprises, and things that I haven't talked about on the show that I will talk about at the live show. So they'll be really, really fun. And tickets are going fast. We're expecting, hoping that they sell out. So uh, get them if you want to come, get them and bring a friend. Or if you want to go solo, a lot of people are asking, I don't have a friend to go with or whatever. Come by yourself because there's lots of people that come to the shows alone and we have a good time. I mean, it's like the doors close and we come to the place for magic. Much like Nicole Kidman goes to an AMC theater, we go to an Everything Iconic live show for magic. Somehow, heartbreak feels good in a place like this. And so I hope you'll come for magic. And whether or not you have a group of friends or you want to come solo, do not worry about it because we are going to have so much fun. I promise they're a good time. I promise they're a good time. Uh, anyway, so get tickets at everythingiconic.com, Salt Lake City, Denver, and Seattle. Tickets are going fast. They might not be tickets by the time you go to get them. So you got to get them now. Got to get a, got to catch them all in the words of the Pokemon catchphrase. That's the Pokemon catchphrase, isn't it? Anyway. Okay. Salt Lake City. So again, half the episode is a finale. Half of it is the catch up. And uh, the whole choir storyline is ending at Heather Gay's book launch party. And it was funny because Heather Gay said, well, if anyone fights, she doesn't want anyone to fight at the party. But she said, if they do, she hopes they do it in front of the book cover. (laughs) That made me laugh because you do ordinarily at an event in real life, not on a TV show, you wouldn't want any drama. If I was throwing a birthday party, a book launch party, I'd, I'd say no drama. Tell the drama no. Tell the drama no. But if you're on a reality show and you got a book to promote, you want the drama to happen at your book party because then it's good for book sales because then it raises awareness for the book. So now we had this whole party and she got good placement on this book. She got good placement for this book because whole half the episode was about the book launch and the book didn't even exist at this time. They pointed out the other gals. They said there's no book to be seen because uh, she threw the book launch party. And I was sort of surprised that Bravo let her do this because they had no, the book wasn't ready. And so she threw a book launch party when the book is launching. It still hasn't launched. So they filmed this a couple months ago. And it was like sort of, I guess, a book announcement party. And ordinarily, I think Bravo kind of cuts through that bullshit a lot these days. They don't want a launch party for something that doesn't exist. And so I was kind of surprised that they let her get away with that because it was all this book promo for something that still isn't going to be out for, I think, another month or so. And I was proud of Heather Gate because that's good book promo. 
I did the book with the Vanderpump Rules guys. I did fancy AF cocktails. I was the co-author, ghostwriter of that book. And it wasn't on the show at all. We didn't get not one, I don't even know if they showed it one time, one fucking time. And so here comes Heather Gay, although that book sold really well. Everyone everyone got the fancy AF cocktails. Thank you, thank you, thank you. But we didn't get no placement on the show on Vanderpump Rules that season. And uh, here on Salt Lake City, they gave her the whole half the episode. Not only that, but she also throughout the whole season had some stuff about it. So I wonder how the book sales will be. I'm excited to read it. And I'm excited to talk to Heather Gay. Hopefully I get to talk to Heather Gay on everything iconic about the book and all the drama that's happening on the show. But uh, the whole venue planning was done with, and I do want to discuss this for at least 45 minutes, a woman named Megan with two G's. (laughs) Two G's. She had two G's in her name. And I don't know why. I found this more shocking than almost anything else in the episode. This woman, Megan, with two, I, just, I just never saw Megan with two G's. And I think maybe I was uh, extra susceptible to shock because I had just seen the movie M3gan or M. Megan, you know, the, <laughs> about the killer doll. I just saw that movie and loved it, by the way. It's really fun to see in theaters with a big group of friends. So if you got a big group of friends, go see it in a theater with a bunch of people because it's so funny. It's like everyone's laughing and scared and just a good time. But so I had just seen it and then I'm watching the finale and I'm like, why is everyone spelling? Why is all the Megans spelling their names weird? Uh, the little robot girl, she put a three in place of the E. And now here on Salt Lake City, they're just throwing G's in there willy nilly. And I'm like, well, is this a new trend now? Everyone named Megan is going to just put fucking exclamation points in place of, uh, in place of E's and shit like that. Like what is happening with the Megans? They need to cool it. And I don't know, but I say saw Megan with two G's. And uh, maybe she's the inspo for that killer doll. Maybe that's what it, where they got the idea from. They saw this party planner in Salt Lake City, and they said, "Hey, let's do um, some Megan movie about a killer doll spelled with a weird Megan name," because that's what's happening now. That's what happened now. Then uh, we catch up with all the women before the event, so we see Meth in bed wearing their kids' sweats, uh, Brooks Mark sweatsuits. So Seth and Meredith Meth, they're in bed. Lisa's drinking tea. She's worried about the vocals. She's got to put them vocals on vocal rest after she's saying, away in a manger, which I love. Wait, I love how now Lisa Barlow is like, I've seen it all over social media. She's performed away in a manger more than I've seen anyone perform away in a manger. I have never seen anyone sing it so much. And I've seen it like Bravo makes her sing it backstage at Watch What Happens Live. Then they make her sing it at the reunion. I don't, I just feel like I've seen a lot of footage of Lisa Barlow singing Away in a Manger. And I love that for her. I love that for her. She's, but she's got to rest the vocals because she's maybe singing it too much. So I saw her. She was drinking tea, worried about her vocals. Then meanwhile, Whitney Wild Rose lets us know she's with the husband. She's no longer in the choir. And she says, I want to support Heather. This is her healing. She says, this is part of uh, Heather's healing. But I don't understand on any of these. It's hard to even recap by this point, because I feel like this show just, I almost feel like somebody just lit the show on fire. <laughs> I don't know if that makes sense. Like metaphorically, I feel like someone just took some gasoline in a match halfway through this season and then lit it all on fire. And we're watching like the fallout of it because none of the storyline, none of it makes sense to me. And I keep saying that, but it's hard. There was a, a moment where we see Angie K at the book party, and it says on there, Jen's former friend. And I'm like, are they? F- I thought they made up. Like, I thought Jen threw the shoe in the ocean, and then they made up last week. Didn't they get them? Didn't Jen Shaw give her the shacheck? And then now it says former friend. And it's like, I don't understand. I thought they made up. It's so exhausting. And then Heather said she didn't want to make the eye a thing, but then it's like, why is it a thing? She's just still talking about the eye. 
So confusing. Uh, Whitney and Heather hugged. Again, I don't understand that because I thought they hated each other. All of Heather's bad Mormon cousins come, and I'd like to know their stories a little bit more. Uh, and then, the oh, the thing with Angie K, though, she says it's Greek Easter, and that's why she started opening her eyes to Jen. And I just, uh, I don't know. I guess, I guess I sort of ultimately, I think, like, who cares about any of this? Like, that's where I'm at with Salt Lake City. And I never thought that I'd be at that place because I, I thought this season started with a bang, a bang. And now by the end with all of these loose threads and uh, relationships and, and even the legal situation, all of it, I'm like, who cares about any of it anymore? But who cares? I have no emotional connection to any of these people at this point, and that's not good for the show. And I'm, I'm certain I'm not ready to give up on Salt Lake City. So I just was very pessimistic about it. But let me say, I think these women are stars, and I do think that we can get it back on track. I think there were a lot of factors that probably played into the chaos of this season, losing Mary, losing Jenny at the last minute. I think Jen Shaw's legal situation and these other women not necessarily knowing how to deal with that, production necessarily not knowing how to deal with that. I think there were just a lot of problems that will get hopefully righted by next season, and I'm confident we will come back and be better than ever. But this just got off the rails for all of us, I think. It got off the rails for all of us. And Angie is just like letting out this new rumor about Heather's Eye this week about Maybe uh, they were scissoring, um, Jen and Heather were scissoring, and then she, they're trying to explain Barbie's scissor kicks or something. I don't know. I was not expecting Angie K to explain scissoring on this show, but yet here we are. I wasn't expecting none of this stuff to happen. And then we see Jen and Coach Shaw talking to the other Angie, Sarah Paulson, and her husband who created the Instagram account. And I was wondering when this was going to get wrapped up, and I... I suppose this was wrapping it up because the man apologized to Jen Shaw. And this is going to be controversial for me to say too, but I, I thought it was great that he apologized because how fucking embarrassing and, and gross and pathetic that he created this Instagram account to go after this other grown woman, all these grown people creating these accounts. And yet he took full responsibility for it. So I actually was thinking, what's his name? Chris or something? I was proud of Chris. He did it on camera. And so, Look, we uh, he apologized, and hopefully he doesn't exhibit that behavior ever again in the future, because it was real gross, but he apologized on camera, and I could not believe that, a grown man doing that and then apologizing in front of the world, but that it's good to apologize. You know, everyone fucks up. Everyone fucks up and does shitty stuff in life, and hopefully, all we can hope for is that we grow and learn and do better in the future and apologize and move forward. And I think that's the lesson for everything in life. And and I always look at intent. And I think he had to apologize because his intent was very clearly to fuck around and hurt people, right? I mean, why else would you create that account? But ultimately, I think he was trying to fuck around and hurt Lisa Barlow. And yet, it, somehow, Lisa Barlow never got the apology from him on camera. And Jen Shah did for Shah Exposed. And actually, now that I'm thinking about it, maybe he shouldn't apologize to her because... Sha was exposed, and she was exposed by the courts. So maybe, maybe he shouldn't have, maybe he was, I don't know. I don't, this show's a fucking wild ride. So then they all sing, the, Heather unveils the book cover, and uh, they're singing, and then we see Jen and Whitney talking through their issue, which I didn't know they had one. The entire cast gets together. 
uh, Jen leaves. Meredith escorts her out. And this is when we get them title cards. So let me read through these title cards. Actually, let me, let's take a break here and then we're going to come back. We're going to go through the rest of the episode. We got to get to that other half of all that legal stuff in New York. Uh, before we do, I want to say we've got some great guests coming up later this week. We have Anna Conkle, one of the uh, stars and creator of Pen15, one of my all-time favorite shows on Hulu. She's got a new movie out this Friday called The Drop. So check out the podcast feed for that interview. We talk a little bit about Housewives, too, but uh, she is just the best, one of my faves. We also have uh, some other great guests coming up next week. And uh, get the tickets to the Everything Iconic Live show, and we'll be right back. All right, I'm sure a lot of you out there can relate because every time there's a commercial break and I'm watching one of my shows, I'm always hopping on the Redfin app or website because I just want to check out real estate listings. Like, I love checking out real estate listings, even for the houses that I cannot afford. It's my favorite app to use Redfin. Uh, I just got a home, of course, but it was a pretty stressful process. And if I would have known how easy Redfin was, I think it would have helped out a lot. Redfin updates their listings every two minutes and sends you personalized recommendations. So finding the home that's perfect for you has never been easier. See something you like? Well, book a tour straight from the app. And when you're ready to buy, an experienced local Redfin agent can guide you through the whole process, making it so easy. And if you're looking to sell, Redfin agents know how to get you the best price possible for your home. That's because they sell twice as many homes as other agents with a listing fee as low as 1%. Redfin's fees are half of what others often charge, which means you'll have more money to put towards your next home. Now, that's a great thing. I love using Redfin. I love checking out. If you're buying or selling a home and you need some help with that, check out Redfin. Download the Redfin app to get started. And we're back. Fudge college, honestly. Okay, so I mentioned Lisa's update card. Said Lisa, uh, her business is better than ever. It says, just ask the SEC. They threw that in. Just ask the SEC. Heather, it says, uh, the book is done. She's worried about her family reading it. She practices choir regularly and gives Jen amazing grace. Amazing grace. And then Whitney, hers is focused on setting boundaries in her life, except in the bedroom. Unfortunately, the bad weather report is still gloomy and sunny skies aren't on the horizon. I'm nervous for these two to go on Ultimate Girls Trip. Is anyone else? Anyone else scared? I'm scared because they're going on a girls trip together. They already filmed it. Meanwhile, they just released the cast for the brand new season of Girls Trip, which hasn't filmed yet. But Alex McCord is coming back from The Real Houses in New York. Caroline Manzo's coming back. We got Gretchen Christine Butte. Uh, she's going to be back on the next season of Ultimate Girls Trip. We got also got returning faces, Brandy Glanville, Vicky Gunvalson, Camille Grammer is going to be new from the Real Houses of Beverly Hills on the next season of Girls Trip. Who else am I missing? I don't, I'm sure I'm missing other people, but I'm very excited. It looked like a good cast. I'm, I'm mostly just excited for Alex McCord to return to us. I just feel like she's been so elusive. A little concerned that they're... I almost like imagining what Alex McCord is up to, and I'm worried. I hope we're not let down. Does that make sense? Like, I hope we get Alex McCord back, and it's a a great return, and I hope it doesn't make us think like, oh, I'm happy she's no longer on the show. Do you get what I mean? Uh, But I'm so excited to catch up. I feel like her and Caroline Manzo, they're going to have like a little alliance, and then I'm confident Brandy and Camille will bring some drama. I'm just excited. And Vicky, it'll be interesting to see Vicky without Tamara. And I've also heard that Vicky's returning to Orange County. She filmed a bunch for the next season of Orange County. So I saw that online. Uh, so she's going to be 
I imagine on the next season of Orange County, Vicky comes like halfway through and then sort of plays a, a friend of role, which I'm excited about. And then uh, Cynthia Bailey's back in Atlanta, too. Do you see that news? She's going to be back uh, popping in and out. Not full time. She's just going to be popping in and out a little bit because she got rid of the hill. She got rid of, she, she got, um, rid of the husband. So, you know, we might get her, see her get married for a third time on this show. We saw her get married twice and we might see her get married a third time. Cynthia Bailey, cheekbones Bailey, uh, hashtag chill. It's not so chill anymore because she got divorced from Mike Hill. So what is it now? What's the hashtag? Hashtag C. That's the, we got rid of the hill. Hashtag C. Hashtag C. Uh, okay. Wait. So the, then Meredith, her update card says, she continues to be a champion for mental health. We love that, especially your own. She and Seth are busy taking bubble baths, which leaves no time to reconcile with Lisa. We've talked about this before, but I think she's going to need to reconcile with Lisa because although in real life you wouldn't be friends, and I understand why she wouldn't want to be friends with Lisa, I think on the show we need to see it. We need to see it. Anyway, so we get those title cards, and that is what feels like a natural end to the episode, and yet we're just halfway through because now we have to see Jen go to New York City for court. Three months later, we see shots of mountains, buildings. Uh, then we see them in New York. It says, four days to trial. Oh, wait, she's not in New York yet. She's still in the Salt Lake City. Four days to trial. She meets with the mom. Next time I come home, I'll either be guilty or innocent, Jen says to her mom. And then the mom says, you'll be innocent. We know that. And I was like, I don't know if you know that. How? How? I don't know. I just felt it was all, that was hard to watch. That the, More than anything else, that whole scene. And then also the mom said, remember what Hawaiian and Tongan culture says, elders are around you and call their, and you call their name and they're next to you. When you're in the courtroom, you call them. First of all, she brought up the, she brought that up in the sentencing thing. Remember we talked about that she brought up and now I'm seeing the mom bring it up. I don't know. It was just also, it was advice that didn't seem to work because she got six and a half years. Ladies and right. I mean, that's what happened. So I don't know if that's really, really good advice, but uh, and then the mom cashed out the retirement account and put the properties up for her innocent daughter. And how could Jen do that? The trial was pushed five times, but at one of those points, shouldn't she have told the mom like, Hey, by the way, I did actually bamboozle the elderly. And so, uh, you know, I don't know. It's just, I don't know. Then she goes to New York City. She's staying at the, is it the lot NYC? It looked like a very nice hotel. Very nice hotel. I was like, I need to write that down because it looks like a nice hotel when I go to New York. But I thought that maybe Jen should have downsized. I, I don't feel like, I don't know. Maybe that, what's wrong with me that every time I see Jen because she's going to prison, I keep thinking, she shouldn't be showing off her wealth because remember we talked about in the last episode of Everything Iconic, she went to the Italian restaurant right after her sentencing, had a party for 20 people. And I thought that was inappropriate. And now I'm watching her at the lot NYC, which I guess it wasn't like the greatest hotel ever, but it looked like a really nice hotel. It's like, I don't know, your mom, I guess what I'm having trouble with is the mom cashed in all that money to help support Jen. But so is who's paying for all this stuff? Maybe the lot put her up for free. Ordinarily with a housewife, I would think that the hotel would offer them a deal. Hey, you're filming. Come film at our hotel and we'll let you stay for free. Blah, blah. But I would think if they're filming for her court case, I don't know that they'd want to give for free. If I was a hotel, it's maybe not their greatest PR. Although, look, I saw the hotel and I was like, maybe I need to stay there. So what the fuck do I know? What the fuck do I know? What the fuck do I know? Then uh, it was funny. The other gals arrive. Heather and Meredith arrive. They have a dramatic hug. 
And uh, I'm dying at Jen wearing the Brooksmark sweatsuit in NYC. I mean, Brooksmark sweatsuits has gotten so much press on this season. We've seen everyone wearing it. She's wearing it before the trial. We saw Meth wearing it. Uh, the earlier scene, I feel like I've seen them sweatsuits a hundred times and I'm ready to get one. I don't have one, but I'm like, I need to invest in one of them sweatsuits because it's infiltrating my brain. I'm seeing everybody. Jen Shaw's wearing the sweatsuit. And uh, Jen is happy that they showed up. And I was thinking, well, they were paid to. They were paid to. Were they not paid to show up? Of course, they had to have somebody show up from the show. They wanted someone to bounce stuff off of with Jen Shaw. So they said, hey, Meredith and Heather, you guys go. But it was so weird to me because then production filmed Lisa and Heather at the end of the, I don't know. I feel like Meredith, she was probably done with Jen as soon as she found out her sentencing. She's like, okay, that was enough. She don't need to be friends no more. But uh, they do show up to film. Then Seth also shows up. So we got Meth uh, in New York City. We got Heather there. The three of them have lunch. Seth worries about Coach Shaw. Then it's revealed that a bunch of friends testified against Jen Shaw. Heather, I think Heather's still being a little naive about it all. And uh, I feel bad. I don't know. I don't, where does Heather and Jen's friendship go after this? Like, will they keep in touch while Jen's away? I mean, uh, Heather always says she's ride or die. So I'm assuming she might be the only one writing to Jen while she's away because I don't know who else is going to write a chinote to Jen Shaw and to jail because uh, Heather seems to be the only one who's still, and, but in this scene when she's sitting down with meth, I thought she seemed a little naive about what's happening. And Seth asked the women, she says, he says, have you asked Jen if she's guilty of the charges? And then Meredith, this was interesting. She said, it's a big problem. She doesn't want to ask Jen too many questions because she doesn't want to know anything. If she knows too much, then she'll be questioned. So I almost think that's why Meredith had this kind of weird alliance this season with Jen. What is that saying? Keep your friends close and your enemies closer. I feel like she just thought it'll be easier and cleaner this way. If we're just sort of surface level friends, I don't know. Maybe I'm like giving her too much credit for that because I don't know. I don't know. Then we see uh, Jen, Meredith, and Heather in the hotel room eating candy. They talk about Stu. Jen says Stu's a piece of shit. She says he played her and she wouldn't be in this mess at all if it weren't for him. And then we see a flashback of, they keep showing that one scene of uh, him feeding her a banana, feeding her a banana. Like, I don't know. (laughs) They keep showing that fucking banana scene. It's like uh, the Real House of Miami. Like, don't they have any other footage? Why do they keep showing the banana scene? I've seen her feed him or her feed stew chains that fucking banana a hundred times, a hundred times. I feel like I could, I could draw us, uh, I could paint an image of her feeding him that banana. That's how embedded it is in my brain. Just so many times that banana, just here's that banana stew. And then he's like, I'm on the computer doing whatever. And I don't know. They need to get some other footage. I remember seeing other scenes of the two of them walking around. I think there was one scene where they were uh, walking on snow or something. And yet they keep showing that banana scene. Keep showing that banana. Sticking that banana right in his mouth. Right in his mouth. Uh, it reminded me of that that movie Minions. Did you guys see that Minions movie? Which, not to get us off track here, but I do have to just recommend that you all see the new Puss in Boots. I was like obsessed. I'm like obsessed with it. You know how I have this problem. You guys know this if you listen to the show for a while. That when I like something, then I become sort of obsessed with that. And so that happened recently when I saw the new Puss in Boots movie, because I just feel like nobody's talking about it. Why is no one talking about how good it is? The animation's beautiful. It's a great story. I, and I never even saw the first Puss. I had no idea about these 
uh, Puss in Boots movies, and now I'm the biggest Puss in Boots stan. I mean, I saw it. And I just think it's phenomenal. Phenomenal. It's kind of got some of that Into the Spider-Verse animation. Anyway, so that's what, it's a problem with me. You guys know that. I be, I watch something, I become obsessed with it for a little while, and then I move on. And it's it's definitely something I need to work on with my therapist. But for now, I just want to recommend that you all see Puss in Boots' Last Wish in theaters, because it's phenomenal. And Megan, uh, M3 Megan is fun, too. That's not how you say it, M3 Megan. The robot little girl movie is fun. Uh, we'll see it with friends. Anyway. And it's also very campy and cheesy, by the way. I don't want you going into M3 Megan or M whatever the fuck they call it and not knowing that it's like a campy, wild, crazy horror ride. But uh, Puss in Boots is just genuinely a good movie. I would honestly put that up. They had the Golden Globes, and I was like, where's Puss in Boots winnings? Because I was watching the Golden Globes, which I, I'm glad they're back, although I did feel kind of crazy because I thought they convinced us that we're not supposed to like the Golden Globes. And they were canceled last year or whatever. They weren't airing them last year. And now, all of a sudden, people returned their... Tom Cruise didn't he return his Golden Globes. And now they're playing, acting as if nothing happened, all the celebrities of the Golden Globes. But I, for one, was grateful because I enjoyed watching it. I enjoyed the winners. I enjoyed watching it. Did I think Puss in Boots' Last Wish should have won more awards? Of course. But I enjoyed the Golden Globes because they get really drunk. Really drunk. Although the red carpet was like a gray carpet. And it would behoove them to stop that. I mean, what are we doing? The only other red carpet that should not be red is the Nickelodeon Kids' Choice Awards. And that's because it's orange. It's an orange carpet. I don't need to see uh, these other color carpets. The red carpet needs reform. In general, I mean, it's hard to uh, award season. And the pandemic really screwed up award season. But watching the red carpets these days is so fucking sad. And I know Joan Rivers is no longer with us. May she rest in peace. She really revolutionized the red carpets. But now, I mean, I'm watching the red carpets on E! And it's like, Laverne Cox, who we love, keeps asking uh, that question, what story are you trying to tell? And I'm for every single award show, Laverne asking these celebrities, what story are you trying to tell? And the, cele- the problem with that question is every celebrity doesn't know how to fucking answer that question because it's not a very clear-cut question because it's a very uh, ethereal question. What story are you telling? They don't know what to fuck say to that question. And yet it still keeps getting asked. And maybe eventually the celebrities will understand that question. But for now, again, we love Laverne Cox, but I'm just, and I didn't even watch it for the Golden Globes. So I don't know if Laverne asked that again, but I've had to turn off the red carpets. Cause I'm like, we're just wasting all that time because then the celebrities just standing there like, um, I, the story I'm trying to tell. And I'm fine also, by the way, if they don't want to ask those maybe outdated questions about who are you wearing or whatever. That's fine if you don't want to ask that. But maybe we could replace it by asking something else. Like, let's ask their favorite Mariah Carey song if we have to, or something else that could be interesting instead of what story are you trying to tell? Because none of them know how to answer that. And so we just waste 15 seconds of every two minute interview of them staring. I'm sorry. I just went off on a tangent. I know you guys are here to listen to me talk about housewives and yet I just went on a tangent. We love Laverne Cox. I want Laverne Cox to be acting. She's such a great actress. I want to see like acting, not what kind of dress you're wearing. I'm sorry. I feel bad that I was just mean to Laverne Cox, but it's just that question. And then, by the way, Laverne at least is pretty good on that uh, carpet compared to some of the other ones I've seen. Because some of it, it's like, there's no fun. I need some comedians on there. When's Michelle Collins? Like, let's get Michelle Collins. She's so quick-witted and funny. Or let's get some comedians in the on the red carpet that can spice up those things and like play off of the other people. I mean, I'm sorry. I just went off. What are we talking about here? 
Oh, New York, Jen Shah going to jail. Where are we? <laughs> then Jen does say in her confessional, she says, uh, which there's a few things that she said that I thought were smoking guns. In the hotel room, she says, it's so hard to trust people in regards to Stu. Karma's, Meredith says, karma's out there. People who do bad things suffer with their own being every day. And I do imagine she was talking directly to Jen Shah when she said that, Meredith, because I know Jen is probably suffering. And so I, I do not support uh, the things that she did, but I, I can only imagine the inner hell that that woman is going through. I, hopefully, I would assume if you have a conscience, you'd be going through inner hell knowing that you've been boozled elderly and now you're, you're really putting your family through this horrific thing. And so, I don't know. I always think that's got to be way worse. When you do something bad, I, I would assume anyone who has a conscience, you do something bad and then you feel bad about it. And that's sort of the hell and the punishment. And then to also have the extra punishment of having to put on that jumpsuit and go into prison is tough. It's tough. But Jen says in her confessional, I, there's so much I wish I could say to the public. I'm tired. And she, she she's alluding to something, I guess. Then we cut to the courthouse, July 11th, 2000, 2022. Jen pleads guilty. And I'll never forget where I was that day. When Jen Shah pled guilty, it's much like when Countess Luann got arrested on Christmas Eve or like it was right around Christmas. I'll never forget that moment. It was like the whole Bravo community, everyone's on their phones online, uh, piecing through all this information. And the same thing happened when Jen Shah pled she guilty uh, that day on July 11th, 2022. And that day I was interviewing Nikki Blonsky of the movie Hairspray. And those of you who listen to the show know that I was breaking the news to Nikki Blonsky at the time that it happened. And Nikki Blonsky had a lot of thoughts about it. One of my favorite everything iconic moments of all time, because also Nikki Blonsky lives in Salt Lake City, Utah. And she uh, she was pissed when she found out Jen Shah pled she guilty. So anyway, I uh, just, that's where I was. That's where I was. I love decorating the house and getting furniture, but sometimes it could be overwhelming to design a space. And so luckily I'm here to tell you about a company called Cozy. Now Cozy is fantastic, a North American company that thoughtfully designs furniture made for modern living. Now Cozy strives to provide the best furniture shopping experience with elegant, super high quality products, plus fast delivery and easy assembly, which is really important to me because I do not like putting together furniture. So the easier, the better for me. Now Cozy offers a beautiful, customizable sofas and sectionals that are made to adapt in time. This means customers can add seats to the sofas over time. Maybe if you're extending your family, you might want more space on the couch. Cozy also offers a great range of coffee tables, washable rugs, wall shelving, credenzas, TV stands, and accessories. So much. It's thoughtfully designed furniture made for modern living. There's an outdoor sofa and tables collection that is fantastic. It's called the Mistral. So you can choose the perfect sofa configuration for your outdoor setup. Uh, Cozy also opened its first retail space on Queen Street in Toronto to push the experience to the next level and allow customers to engage physically with the products. So transform your living space today with Cozy. Visit Cozy.com, spelled C-O-Z-E-Y, to start customizing your furniture today. Again, that's Cozy, C-O-Z-E-Y, dot com. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello? Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started.
Then finally, the episode ends with Heather and Lisa. They just filmed this, I think. Or no, this was right after Heather got back. But this duo was so weird because I thought they weren't friends. It's like, I'm so confused who's friends. Uh, Lisa said, I'm so sad, confused. I'm like, wow, like this is who she is, she says in regards to Jen Shaw. And then Heather says, I'm overwhelmed with grief. Lisa starts crying. Omar's only 16, so Jen Shaw's going to be missing a very important chunk of his life. And Heather says something about Coach Shaw discovering what Jen was doing. And then she says they couldn't get away with it after the witness statements. That's her take on it. And uh, Heather says Coach might have just said, go away and I'll take care of the boys. And Heather finally says, I think she did it. And I wrote in my notes like, no shit. <laughs> no shit. I love, I'm hoping for Heather to get a redemption season. I think she just had a rough season. And I, I do love my Heather Gay. But she lost me a little bit at the end of the season. But I'm hopeful that she'll come back on track. I think she will. I hope. Lisa cries. The show ends with Lisa just saying, it's a lot. It's a lot. And you know what, Lisa? It is a lot. It's a lot. It's a lot. But ultimately, who cares? But who cares? because they lost me. <laughs> I love you all so much for listening. I want to thank ACAST. Shall we do our cheesy little cool down? Uh, again, I want to remind you that Anna Conkle is coming on the show uh, from Pen15. The interview is great. We also got Kristen Chenoweth is going to be on the show next week. I can't wait for that. Uh, I love her, uh, and I'm so excited for that one. So uh, great people coming up. Wherever you listen to the podcast, be sure to hit subscribe or follow. Get those tickets to the Everything Iconic live show at everythingiconic.com. At the top of the page, it says live shows. So there's a link. Or you can go to my Instagram page on the in the bio. There's a link to the tickets. Go in quick. So please get them if you want to come and have a gay old time. Uh, and let's take a deep breath in. Hold it. Breathe out. Let's take another deep breath in. Hold it. Breathe out. Love you all. Love you all so much for listening, and uh, we'll talk soon. Bye-bye.